Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, July 7th, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adioye Jr. And joining me is Imran, the Don Khan. Happy late birthday. Thanks, Imran. I it's been I a couple of days. It. I just haven't seen you since then. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm just I'm owning this month as my birthday month because I feel like it's my birthday is really extended past the actual day because it started on Thursday. And then Friday, I celebrated by, by watching Hamilton. And then Saturday, I had a birthday Zoom. Uh, this like yesterday on PS Love You was brought up again that like I had a birthday celebration. I feel like I feel like we should just keep this birthday train going, you know, make it last throughout I, July. I'm the opposite. I'm just not gonna count 2020 towards my age because like it it Ooh, doesn't yeah. count. It's too okay. weird. It's it's a I I will be 34 again next year and I'll be happy for it. For me, when it comes to 2020, at a certain point, I'm like, yo, y'all, why don't we just make an agreement to just start 2021 like next week? Why do we have to? Why do we have to live out the rest of this year? Why can't we just like start fresh? I know that I know that fucks up seasons, but I feel like that's something we get used to. You know, yeah. Seasons well, have always be sucked. I'm, I'm behind this 100. Seasons are the worst. Go to hell, seasons. I mean, I agree. Francisco, bless you. There's no seasons here. That is true. Like I, I'm I'm in a place now where I don't have to worry about seasons. I did come up in Illinois, and I grew up in Illinois, which has. I feel like the extremes of all the seasons, like summer is really hot in, in central Illinois, and then winter is just freezing cold, uh, and it's the worst, and I absolutely hate it. So, like, once again, who gives a fuck about seasons? Why do we care about them? We'll I've never had them. Next week. It's like it, low it's 60s today. Yeah. And it's like, what? what it's July now, yeah. I have a weird, yeah. I, I have a feeling it's going to get warm. I can I see it. Just a feeling? Wait, what kind of feeling? Like, you, like is your leg shaking? Is, oh, it's your bones. Yeah. My knee okay. isn't hurting. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that usually signifies that it's about to be warm. Yep. And let's see. We're going to have a highs of 70. Which is Damn. San Francisco that's, warm. I mean, you know that's, what I mean? Warm. that's warm. That's any, like, that any warmer warm. than that, and it's unbearably hot. But like seventy is oh I have to unzip my hoodie. That is the exactly, of and that is like that is the ideal weather. You know what I'm talking about, Imran? 78, 75, 80 is uncomfortable. Yes. No good. Absolutely. All our houses are sweating. It's like oh I should have worn shorts when going outside today. That's that sucks today. But other than that, like the thing that bothers me about San Francisco weather is that it only rains in the winter, and then like when it rains oh, in the winter, it rains not... all fucking winter. No, the weather it rains all the time. If we get a week of nice weather, we're gonna get like a week and a half of rain. It just it, it changes so constantly. It try to balance itself out. Oh, nice weather. <laughs> Here's some shitty weather. <laughs> <laughs> the shitty weather. If, if, if I start, if I start introducing the show next week as Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for January first, twenty twenty one. Do you think people would have a problem with that? Do you think I could get away with it? Do you think like we would have pushback on that? You would get YouTube Chat, comments be like, "Oh, Blessing doesn't even know how to what the date is." <laughs> That's I mean, with fair, Bless but I, I feel like I already get those comments, and so, like, I'm I, fine with that. I can live with that. I think the problem we're going to have is that, like, I don't know if the bad is over. You know what I mean? <laughs> and if we start calling it 2021, we're just going to have another bad year. I say we extend 2020 until everything goes back to normal. If 2020 takes a year and a half, Ooh. okay, cool, because that was a shit year. You know what I mean? I Honestly, think I'm with you, Kevin. Think about it. Kevin's on to things. I kind of want to do the reverse of yours, blessing, and just like when January first, twenty twenty one rolls around, we just start calling it January first, twenty twenty. Like we're re, re- rebooting we the franchise. We start twenty twenty again. Yes. 
yo, I like. I think we're 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 all like onto something here. Let's let's workshop this. Let's come back <laughs> next episode. Uh, me, me and Emron are probably gonna be on next week at some point. And let's come back. Let's reconvene and let's figure out like where we're at and where our heads are at. Because I think I, like, I think we're onto things. I like the idea of kind of funny five Fuck the Gregorian cal- calendar. <laughs> that's 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 the. New, we're not hiring anybody. We're just saying fuck the calendar. Yeah, I'm into it. Well, Imran, enough about the calendar in 2020 and seasons and all that good stuff. Let's talk about our Ubisoft forward predictions, uh, Microsoft being interested in WB and more, because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every week at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for Kind of Funny Games daily. To be a part of the show, head to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where bronze members or above get to write in, and silver members or above get the show ad-free along with the exclusive daily post show. Housekeeping, every day this week, a new part of Andy's full playthrough of The Last of Us Part 2 will post at 3 p.m. Pacific time on youtube.com slash games. So tune in, watch Andy get all scared of the clickers and the bloaters and the shamblers uh, and the other humans in the game that are also kind of scary a little bit. And so tune into that. I'm sure it's going to be a good time. Uh, I believe today will be part two uh, because that started yesterday and I believe that will wrap up Saturday if math works out. Is this copy of Last of Us 2 as haunted as his copy of Last of Us 1? Was this copy of Last of Us 1 haunted? Oh, you're you talking about the Ellie clip. Yeah, the Ellie clip. The infamous Ellie clip. God. Like, yo, legitimately, I would have turned off that game and been like, no, fuck this. <laughs> Clearly, I shouldn't be playing this off. <laughs> <laughs> like, Naughty Dog went the extra mile, man. This PS5, this PS5 is wild. They're doing some this, PS5 shit here. This is why Mark's turning these pictures of your ears so you can, like, he can tell when you're hearing things. And then oh, yeah. re- the game will respond in kind. There's only one way to find out how haunted Last of Us Part 2 is for Andy, and that's by tuning into YouTube.com. So it's kind of funny games and watching. Really it's really good. That was good. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> uh, thank you to our Patreon producers, Mohammed Mohammed and Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by Quip, Klarna, and Hims, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Rope Report. <laughs> Time for some news. We have four stories today. Baker's Starting with our number one, what can we expect at Ubisoft Forward? This is from Joe Scrubbles at IGN. Ubisoft has revealed a little more of the lineup for Ubisoft Forward, uh, the French publisher's digital summer keynote, and will offer a free, free PC copy of Watch Dogs 2 to all those who tune in. On Sunday, July 12th, a pre-show stream will begin at 11 a.m. Pacific, and that will include Trackmania gameplay, news on Ghost Recon Breakpoint's AI teammates, new Just Dance 2020 details, a deep dive into an, into an Easter egg in The Division 2, and more. The main show will follow, follow an hour later with new details on Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Watch Dogs Legion, Hyperscape, and a few surprises. Many are hoping to see Far Cry 6 and a new Splinter Cell game uh, because... Uh, or and a new Splinter Cell game become one of those surprises. Imran, I'm very excited for this Ubisoft forward thing. And I, here's the thing: I feel like we all kind of know what to expect from a Ubisoft uh, E3 ish, I guess, summer press conference. Mm-hmm. What I want to do with you, Imran, is I want to talk about our expectations and and also our predictions. I've written out a list of things, a list of possibilities. I want to go through them one by one and talk about where you and I are at as far as predictions. And what I want to do also, because uh, we did this last time, and honestly, it kind of fucked us last time, but I want to give them an- another chance. 
the nanobiologist. I know you listen to the show daily. I know that you're 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 um you're on point when it comes to the, your wrongs. I need you to be on point again because me and Greg did uh, our predictions thing for I think the PlayStation Five event, and you know, nanobiologist did his job. Did he do a good job? I'm gonna leave that up to the to the audience. I'm calling <laughs> upon you again. This is your chance to redeem yourself, nanobiologist. So, nanobiologist, I need you to keep score on me and Imran's predictions here for the Ubisoft Forward event. Imran, before we even get into our into into the the prompts I have here, what are your expectations for the event? Are you excited about it? Not super honestly like maybe it's just a result of like the weird fatigued e3 season we have but i keep forgetting this is a thing until like someone actively mentions it and it i mean a part of it is also the weird year ubisoft has had of the delaying a bunch of their games that games are supposed to be out months ago we're now going to be in the show so i don't like yeah, it would be cool to see Far Cry 6, but I don't know if that's going to be like the main thing that gets me excited for this. So hopefully they have some big things to pull out. I wonder, and I'm going to ask you, Bless, because it's not on the list. Mm. Do you think that they are going to acknowledge the what's the shitstorm about the harassment and like all oh. that stuff at all? No, I don't think you do that. I, 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 like, I honestly, is this the first prediction? Oh, I don't even know if this should be a prediction, but I, I mean, it could be honestly, like, I, I, I don't think they would because I think I, I, I think they, hmm. They, I don't know. This is an interesting proposition because I do expect them to acknowledge COVID is the thing I'm trying to like, <laughs> I'm trying to put the pieces together in my mind of like, do you come out and acknowledge, and acknowledge like the situation with COVID-19 and how like, Hey, yeah, we're putting this together from home because of that, obviously. Um, but then like, kind of ignore all the different allegations that have happened over the last couple of weeks with Ubisoft because Ubisoft has kind of been a a big factor into uh in terms of all the different stuff that, that has come out over the last couple of weeks I don't, do you think that that they acknowledge that stuff I think if they acknowledge it it's going to be in a way of like extremely non-committal very vague like we know like we're committed to diversity and inclusion at Ubisoft we we know that we've we want need to do better for our employees and Ubisoft is going to do that in the future. Like that kind of thing. Maybe not like, yo, some shit went weird with like Ashraf Ismail and other people in the Fuck, company. I forgot yeah. about Ashraf. Yeah. yeah. That'd be a hard one not to acknowledge because he was the creative director of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah. And so, hmm, like, yeah, I think when he, they recorded this, was he like the yeah. talking head for that seat or like a set or section or what? Oh yeah. Damn. Yeah, I I bet they. I, now that I'm thinking about that specifically, and some of their other other higher up figures that have have uh, stepped down because of all this stuff, I do think they mention it. I think it'll be somewhat passively, kind of like what you're saying. Of, yeah, yeah, we we promote an inclusive, um, uh, you know, culture here at, at Ubisoft, and you know, whatever, what like whatever follows that right like whatever the, that the action that follows that is like hey because of that like we want you to know that we're taking these steps in order to um you know make sure that our our environment here you know remains inclusive and continues to progress in terms of making it um a good environment for everybody to work in and all that stuff i think they i think they do acknowledge it to some extent but i'm curious i'm curious to see like how much they acknowledge it though yeah there's pretty much no good way to handle that situation except just make it better and they can't do that in a video so yeah. we'll see what they do yeah i'm i'm excited for this event but like not any more so than i've been excited for ubisoft events in the past like i think ubisoft in general tends to have a good 
selection of games. And th- this year in particular, I think is kind of weird because like what you said, right? Watch Dogs Legion was supposed to come out earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gods and Monsters was supposed to come out earlier this year. Um, uh, Ghost Recon, or not Ghost Recon, uh, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Quarantine. Um, like, I don't know if that was supposed to come out earlier this year, but that's the thing that's probably kind of in limbo right now. And we'll that, get to that. That's like a name change for sure. Yeah. And so like this this year, more so than others, more so than past years, I feel like is is interesting because you know, do we get much new stuff compared to stuff that we've already seen? That said, I kind of put Ubisoft in a similar bucket as EA, but more exciting than EA. Because EA, we know what we're going to get from EA year after year when it comes to these these summer press events. We know we're going to get sports. We know we're going we're probably going to get a Star Wars thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're probably going to get some mobile stuff and like one or two other things. We're also going to get the EA originals. Like we know what an EA press conference looks like. And it's very hard for them to come out and shock us and, and you know, make us surprised about anything because we, we know. We know what EA is. Ubisoft kind of has a similar thing going for them where we know what a Ubisoft conference looks like. Um, but like, you know, it's kind of in, in how they frame that stuff and how they present the things that we kind of already know in ways that make us go, oh, snap. All right, cool. Like a new a new Ghost Recon game, but it's this different thing. All right, I'm in. Or like, hey, here's this new Division game, but it's in Miami now for some reason. It's like, okay, cool. Like if, if they come out and do stuff like that, then it can be exciting. Um, but I think that's the thing I'm looking forward to the most is seeing like, okay, what what is what is Ubisoft's version of, of 2021 going to look like? And slash 2022 or the, the near future going to look like yeah. um, compared to like these last recent years. The thing that like I, kind of puts a bummer on it for me is that what I wanted to see from Ubisoft in this time of the year was what their PS5 and Xbox Series X games would be. And they can't really say that because they have other games that are in that. Like, they're a very iterative company. So like they're not going to show anything past Valhalla because obviously they still have Valhalla to sell. So I want like I could feasibly see them. We'll get to the list, and then we'll talk about that later. But like, yeah. maybe they have like a one last thing kind of thing. Let's talk about the list, Imran. All right, so I have a bunch of predictions here. Nanobiologist, are you ready? Imran, are you ready? I am. I'm just imagining Nanobiologist at his home right now, saying yes to the computer, and so I'm glad you're ready. <laughs> Firstly, will we see a new Far Cry? Yes or no? Yes. I'm also going to say yes. I think it's about time. Far mm-hmm. Cry is obviously like the thing that they they keep rolling out. Like we never we never uh, have to wait too long between Far Cry games, and so I think it makes sense that we get a new Far Cry. Um, is Watch Dogs Legion announced for 2020? Yes or no? I'm going to say yes. Really? I think when it'll do you be... think it comes out, Paul? Yeah, I think it'll be maybe not the same month as Valhalla, but around that time. I think it's going to be like. It'll be their smart delivery game of being like, hey, you buy Watch Dogs on PS4. Will you get like the PS5 version is going to be or whatever, Xbox? It will be a the better version, like the better looking version. I'm I'm gonna say no. Um I I don't think you'd want to re- release Watch Dogs Legion around the same time as Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um just because I feel like for Ubisoft, like they, they Assassin's Creed is the bigger franchise between the two. Um, and I don't think you'd want those games to eat away at each other's sales, mainly Assassin's Creed from Watch Dogs, because uh, I think if you if you allow Watch Dogs space to breathe, you know that those games can do very well. Um, and so I, in my mind, I'm looking at Watch Dogs Legion as like a spring 2020 game, possibly. Does- but there's only so long they can delay that thing without it feeling old. I well, hmm. 
we'll see. I think I think that being a December game and Watch Dogs being a November game is probably the smartest play. I can see that also. I'm going to stick to 2021 though, but I can see what you're saying. Yeah. Does Beyond Good and Evil make or Beyond Good and Evil Two make an appearance? They have to, right? Because they didn't last year. So if it if it misses another Ubisoft thing, then like people who don't catch keep up on the uh, what do they call it the transmissions that they do every so often are going to be like, well, that game just doesn't exist anymore. I think that it makes an appearance with some gameplay. The this is running on a PS5, Xbox Series X, whatever, and maybe another CG trailer, but I doubt it because like mm-hmm. CG trailers are actually a lot harder to put together nowadays because of COVID than they used to be. So I don't know that they get away or they do that one. Mm. I if I see a purely CG trailer for Beyond Good and Evil Two, I might get frustrated because like that's a game that they obviously announced way too early because they announced it before. It's, like at the very start of development for it. Yeah. They didn't um, have a and, team together yet when they did yeah. the game. And it seems like that game has been making appearances in like wireframe form. Like we got that big cinematic trailer at, at the first reveal and we've been seeing kind of these development updates for it. I I feel like the next thing I personally would want to see from that game as far as a big showing would be gameplay. I feel like at, at this point if you like continue to just sh- to, to show CG or conceptual stuff it just it gets long in the tooth in a way where I'm like, all right, I don't believe this thing exists. Like I'm already at the point where I'm like, all right, how much does this thing really exist, really? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I and I and I don't know how near this game is. Like for this game, I'm thinking at least 2022, maybe 2023. Um, and at that point, I feel like you just hold it until next year. I feel like I don't know for me to predict how near the game is because i still don't know what the game is like final fantasy mm-hmm. 7 remake i know exactly what that game was from like the day they announced it like obviously there was some changes and stuff like that but i knew exactly what they were doing with it i don't know what the scope of beyond good and evil 2 is it's not another beyond good and evil game it's just like it's in the same world and that's mm-hmm. confusing to me because like if they were making a zelda like that was just you know better looking and had flying that would be one thing but they're talking about it as if it's like No Man's Sky, but designed. Uh-huh. And that is a that's a taller order than they seem to like be presenting it as. But who knows? We'll see. Because, again, no clue what that game really is. Is there some sort of new Nintendo collaboration uh, in the vein of Mario and Rabbids or the Starlink uh, Star Fox crossover? This would be the time for one, but I'm going to say no. I'm going to say if they did have like a Rabbids Mario thing, we would have like heard about it by now because Ubisoft is a pretty particularly leaky ship. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to say for this year, they're probably taking that off. I think I'm going to say yes. I don't think it was, I don't think we're going to see anything on the scale of Mario plus Rabbids, but I'm going to say we'll see some kind of Nintendo like. I, I can see a game being ported to Nintendo Switch and having like Nintendo DLC characters on it or something like that. And so yeah. like, and, a sa- and this is a bad example because I don't think it would be Assassin's Creed. But like, let's say like a Watch Dogs uh, ported to Nintendo Switch with like a Mario outfit or something like that. I can see that sort of like integra- <laughs> integration crossover there. That, I was just picturing that. It's hilarious. Um, yeah. I mean, the Ezio collection is not on Switch yet and it seems like it should be. So I could see that as a port and maybe like throw in, I don't know, here's Link. Here's a Link tunic. Like there. Speaking, 
Speaking of the the SEO trilogy on uh, Switch, that reminds me of it was either I think it was early PAX um, or I think it was yeah it was it was PAX West or no PAX East 2019, um, which was like right before the release of Mortal Kombat 11. I remember being at that PAX and the 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 doors opening and getting into the Nintendo line because Nintendo has a huge booth at PAX. Um, and at their booth, they're usually showing off like quite a few different games they can get in line for. And so, like, there's stuff like Mortal Kombat 11, um, whatever the Nintendo games were at the time, uh, different stuff. And I remember being in line, and I think it was like I think it might have been press hour. Um, and so, like, I was there early, and I remember I remember being in line for Mortal Kombat 11 specifically because I had not played the game yet. The game had mm-hmm. released. I was really ex- really excited to see how the game would play on Switch as like the first Mortal Kombat game on Switch in a long time, and. It was me and one other person in line, and the person working the Nintendo, the Nintendo booth came to me, and they were like, "Hey, so what game are you in line for?" Uh, I'm assuming Mortal Kombat 11. And I was like, "Yeah, Mortal Kombat 11." And then they turned to the other person that's in line, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I assume are you also in line for Mortal Kombat 11?" And that person was like, "No, I'm here to play Assassin's Creed 3," and they were 100 <laughs> serious and legit. I like legit. I stood there and I was like, "Assassin's Creed 3, like the game that's been out, like also game- not even that great a game." Yeah, again, the the Assassin's Creed that I hear most people hate on, like that's the game you're in line for to play at the Nintendo booth at PAX. It was like a, it was like a mind blowing moment for me that I, that I, I still look, think back to and appreciate. I remember um, being so shout, a, shout out to that person. I remember being at a PSX one year, like I think it was the last PSX, and Battlefront Two was already out and fairly fairly maligned by that point. And I remember seeing just a big ass line for people to stand in line to play Battlefront Two. And I was like, I was very confused because they were a bunch of unreleased games at that show that, and people were in line to play a game that was out and most people didn't like at the time. And you couldn't carry any progress to your actual account. So people, people be weird at game demos, I guess. Do we see a new Splinter Cell? No. I, yeah, I'm going to say no. I want to I want to say yes, but I gotta say no. Like I don't think we're gonna see it yet. I feel like if a new Splinter Cell was to, were to happen, it would have leaked by now. Like I don't think there's any way that game is going to be announced at a Ubisoft pro- conference and it doesn't get leaked beforehand. I think the problem with Splinter Cell is the same problem they had with Prince of Persia. I mean, a little bit different because they don't totally own Prince of Persia. But with Splinter Cell, it's they don't know what a new game would look like besides Splinter Cell p- plus prettier. And if you're gonna do that, might as well make a new Ghost Recon. Like, yeah, because that game will sell better. So I think that's where they're stuck. So I'm sure I bet you that there's a dozen or more Splinter Cell prototypes floating around at Ubisoft, but no one's hit something that's been like, okay, yeah, greenlight that greenlight that and release it because they could that the opportunity cost of Splinter Cell is too great when you could release something that will sell better. I can see that. Yeah, that makes sense. The Skull and Bones make an appearance. No. Yeah, I'm also I think gonna that, say no. I think that game still exists. But about a year and a half ago, the creative director left. So when a creative director leaves, like that means the project is either A in extreme trouble or B has been completely turned upside its head. So mm-hmm. whatever Skull and Bones is now, I don't think they're ready to show it. I I imagine like they'll still stick to like you can't call it Skull and Bones and not be a pirate game, but I don't think it's I don't think it's ready for prime time yet. Maybe a CG trailer. Maybe. Yeah, I, I'd be shocked if Skull and Bones ever came out. That's kind of where I'm at. I don't. I feel like that's one of those games where, when it was announced, I didn't see much 
uh, excitement for it. And I feel like if that's the game that if that's a game that's in trouble at a certain point, you as Ubisoft, you feel like you go like, all right, is this really worth it? Like, do we do we really want to uh, break our backs or trying to get this game to the finish line when like yeah. there's other games that have come out that are also priority games that people seem to to flock to and have communities and we have other games that have that that people like our pirate mechanics in we can't get this one to work let's just scrap it that's kind of that's kind of where i i think they might be at they're great at games as a service so i'd be shocked if they didn't like rework that game into a more not exactly like you know what i mean when i use the example rainbow six siege like a game that they yeah. support as a games as a service for a, like and try to make it work i think that'll be what skull and bones actually ends up being but yeah, I don't see that existing thing that we've seen is probably just like thrown in the trash by now. Yeah. Does Gods and Monsters make an appearance? Yes. Because that I'm game also is good. Yes. Yeah, it's fairly soon, and they I think need to show something after that Stadia leak. So this could be like, yeah, this game here. This is like this is what we have for it. They they did a good job of showing it because I remember. Before that game was shown, I talked to some Ubisoft people, and they're like, we're really afraid of showing this game because everyone's just going to accuse us of ripping off Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. And then they showed it, people were like, hey, this is just like Breath of the Wild. That's cool. So yeah. I think when they if they lean into that a little bit and they start showing, like, here's what makes this game fun and unique, then, yeah, this is a good time to do that. Uh, bonus question. Do you think it gets a release window? I think so. I think it'll say... I'd actually be not be shocked if that game is very soon. I'd be I wouldn't be shocked if it were like October. Really? Yeah, but I I could also see it just to be like show a trailer then 2021 fades in or whatever cuz like maybe they're working on a next gen version as well, but I mean they would be they would be crazy not to do that. So, yeah, I could I could see it being either very soon or next year. I so I'm going to say like yes, it does make an appearance and then I think it's 2021. Um, especially given there are recent reports about um, them kind of having to to start over in some aspects with the game, and like this is a game that was supposed to come out in like February, and so they're probably like very far along with it. But it seems like there just some there there are certain things that just weren't working and that they needed to overhaul. They had that whole Stadia leak with the game mm-hmm. where people were able able to play it for like thirty minutes or whatever. Um, I think we get gameplay, and I think. Like I, th- I think the gameplay trailer ends with 2021. I, I, I think that'd be the, the easiest and most simplest thing for them to do. Yeah, I mean, part of the problem with those delays play. and like COVID and all that is that they do, they do probably have games ready that they're just gonna like hold on to for a little bit because you don't want to pack a schedule too much. So mm-hmm. we'll see what they end up doing. But yeah, I could easily see Gods and Monsters being one of those games that could be moved anywhere. Do we get a Just Dance dance number? Yes. And then I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna hmm. I'm personally gonna say no, but there's also a bonus question if you want an extra point, Imran. If yes, do we get a celebrity appearance? Define celebrity. It'll be like a dancer. What they're gonna do? Like you know, they're not gonna be able to resist the thing of like showing a bunch of people on Zoom dancing. Oh, that's genius. Yeah, it's gonna be that's like actually genius. They'll play like the Just Dance music, and they'll have they'll have like their employees and dancers and all that like in their in front of their webcams doing like their own individual dance moves and like yeah. pull out and it shows everyone doing it. It'll be like just dance 2021 online or whatever. Mm-hmm. That would make a lot of sense. I'm still going to say no, as far as like, if I think there'll be a dance number just cause it's like the work from home thing. But I think if they were to do a dance number, that zoom idea would be the, the genius way to do it. Mm-hmm. Do we see a new Rayman game? 
I don't know. I feel like it's time for one. But on the other hand, Michelle Ancel is working on uh, Beyond Good and Evil and maybe Wild still. So nobody's working on Wild. <laughs> somebody has. I refuse, like they never officially I refuse to believe. That thing is. I mean, they never officially canceled Agent either. And I know Wild is like more recent than Agent, but still, there's mm. no way. If I see Wild at this Ubisoft press conference, well, it's not a Ubisoft game; it's a Sony game. Oh, that's a good point too. Yeah, but it's still it's developed by Ubisoft, though, right? No, it's just, was it Michelle just, Ansdale is the only. Michelle he's he's technically a freelancer; he does not work for Ubisoft. I think he left after. God, there was a game he worked on that he was not happy about. Maybe it was Beyond Good and Evil, but he's been contracting with them since then. So. As for a new Rayman game, I would. I my heart says yes, my brain says no. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. Um, I'm gonna. Well, you know what? To be different, because this this supposed to be competition. I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna take a <laughs> shot. I'm just gonna. I'm I'm gonna go for it. I'm not gonna throw away my shot because I've been listening to so much Hamilton. I'm gonna say yes. We see a new Rayman game. Uh, do we see Rainbow Six Quarantine? And if yes, is there a name change? I don't know about the first question, but if we do see it, then yes, they're absolutely winning. I'm going to say no for the first question. I don't think okay. they show it because, like, they're just going to be more hyper. Rainbow Six Siege is doing really well. Like, there's no reason to show off that new game right now, especially in a time where it comes off as real dark to show it right now. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, so I'm also going to say no, we don't see Rainbow Six Quarantine. But I do think when we do see it, yes, they do change the name. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. I think 100% they're going to change the name whenever, whenever that thing actually is ready to be shown. Um, is Roller Champions out now? I think it's either out now or it's a Game Awards out now. It's one of those two things. Mm. So I'm going to say, let's say yes for this one. Let's vary it up. I'm also going to say yes. Uh, I think Roller Ch- I, that I think the last time I checked when I looked that game up, it just said 2020. Um and for that type of game, I feel like that's that's the kind of game you just want to, want to get into people's hands. And so I think an out now would be the perfect way to just get that thing in people's hands and have people try it out and have fun with it. I think an out now conflicts too much with uh, what's it called? Hyperspace. Of like, you don't Hypers- want to run. Oh, yeah. Hyperscape. Of, Hyperscape. That's it. You don't yeah. want to run two of those games at the same time, especially when they're both just beginning. Like, let's stagger it a little bit and like let that game come later. But well, that's, that's I think point. they show it. But mm, we'll see. Yeah, that's a really good point. Hyperscape, I know, is announced. Well, right now, well, actually, no, the closed beta is ending today. And then um, that game is announced for summer 2020. And so I wonder if it is like, if it could be, Roller Champions is out today. And then Hyperscape is fully released August or something like that. I wonder if that's the way they could, they could go about it. Yeah, um, I could definitely see that. Is a next gen trials revealed? I never know when Trials games are revealed. They just happen to exist. Like, you walk into a Ubisoft event, and there's like, oh, there's a new Trials. Cool. Um, not right now. I think they wait a little bit for a next-gen... Mm, I think maybe a new Trials is revealed, but a next-gen exclusive Trials may take a while. I, I guess I can see that. Uh, I don't think we'll get Trials. The Trials Rising just came out, I feel like, very recently. I think, like, last year. Um, that's the thing i have no idea when trials games are out they just exist they they pop onto shops and be like oh cool new trials play that yeah i get really excited for trials games um and so like i yeah i feel like it's just too soon i feel like a new trials reveal would probably be like a year or two away uh do we see the words for honor 2 no 
Mm, yeah, no. I think uh, For Honor 1 is still doing okay for them. If they're going to do a For Honor 2, they should just wait till it's a, it'll be a next-gen exclusive game, and that, that would wait for platforms to like bulk up a little bit. I So to clarify, I, I think For Honor 2 is being worked on in some form, mm-hmm. but I don't think they would say the, the name here. I'm conflicted with this one because I'm with you that I think For Honor 2 is being worked on for sure. I, I I think for the most part, Ubisoft is good about not announcing games that are multiple years ahead, with the exception of Beyond Good and Evil 2 and a few other games, um, especially recently as things have been getting delayed and stuff. Well, that was but a weird think, Hail Mary for them. That was them being like, hey, Vivende, don't buy us. We're like Exactly. This, I think, like now that they're free, they're probably not going to go like, here's just the title for one or two. It doesn't have that much name cachet. And like, I think what they will do is they will show off that character for Samurai Showdown. But other oh, than that, yeah. I don't think smart. they'll actually show a new game. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think we get for, for Honor 2 uh, this time around. Do we see a return of UB Art games? I wish. The UB Art games no. being like, being um, Child of Light and this, not this War of Mine. What's the war game? The World War One game? Oh, God. The name always just slips my head, but I know exactly what, what you're talking about. Yeah. It's an, people don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it should be a World War One game, but yeah. Um, yeah. I There was that story from the director of Child of Light, a couple of... Valiant Hearts. Valiant Hearts. That was it. Yes. Yeah. I always think of that as Vandal Hearts, the PS1 strategy RPG, and it's not that at all, but... Yeah, the director of Child of Light had a like he tweeted once that like he took a picture of the game on Switch and in the background was a just a document that said uh our Child of Light 2. And eventually he came out and said like, "Yeah, that was canceled. Like I w- I was going to make that game, but Ubisoft wouldn't greenlight it because um they didn't see the profitability in those kinds of games." Assuming that's still true, which I as like there's no reason to assume it's not. I th- think that's kind of where we still are but again like this kind of goes with the rayman one if there's a rayman then it's a UBR game if there's not a rayman then it's not that's a good point i i think i don't think we'll see the return of UBR games um i think we saw them stop for a reason i think actually i read an article recently that was about how the UBR engine that is uh, the engine that is used to power games like rayman and um valiant hearts and the other UBR games uh was kind of difficult to use Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, that being the case, I could see them easily, like, sunsetting it because of that. But, yeah, I, that that then makes me curious on what a return of Rayman could look like if, like, Rayman is being built in a different engine or something like that. Um, but, yeah, with all that being the case, I don't think we see the return of UB Art games. So I would like them to do something akin to EA Originals, like a, a UB Original program where it is them funding um, smaller titles or more unique titles, I think it'd be really exciting. Yeah, that would be a smart idea. But I think what usually yeah. happens is like they see a good indie game they like, and they usually just like incorporate that indie game into one of their games as like the Assassin's Creed multiplayer and stuff like that. It's it's less about them finding something neat for them to publish and more about them like this would be good for us. Do we see more or less than seven minutes of Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay? I I'm gonna say set less at the show but a larger YouTube video available immediately after. I agree. I think we'll see less than seven minutes. But yeah, I think they will upload something to the Assassin's Creed account or to the Ubisoft account yeah. that is a more extended gameplay look. I think I think we will get maybe like six minutes. I think that's kind of where my 
my cutoff is in terms of me watching watching gameplay for a game and being like, all right, that's enough. I think yeah. six minutes is that hard cutoff. I think 15 minutes for me is like the most of like, okay, like a state of play kind of thing, focusing on one game. Like, okay, yeah, that's okay. cool. We don't need more I'll, than this, but like they have other games to show, so they're not going to just focus on Valhalla. And then last one, how many new reveals do we see? And when I say new reveal, I'm going to say like new like full game reveals. Is this a closest without getting go- going over kind of thing? Yeah, let's do Price is Right rules. And so closest without going over. New reveals as in like full ass new games. I'm going to yes. say th- three. Damn, that was that was the one I was going to say. <laughs> um, I'm going to hmm, I'm going to say four. I'm going to say four. Four. OK. So it has oh. to be th- uh, three for me to win. So yeah, you have to get exactly three. And if it's above four, then I get it. Um, (laughs) So yeah, Nanobiologist, that's up to you to tally up. Uh, Let us know who wins. You can tag me in a tweet if you like post it somewhere. Let me know. Um, Do you have any any last last predictions or guesses at what we might see? I mean, Far Cry is the obvious example. Uh, If I wanted... If there was a thing I was just sort of straight up wishing for, I think I would straight like... Show a new Prince of Persia. Just oh. it doesn't even have to be like good. I just want to see it. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. That would make a lot of sense. Do you think we ever see a new Prince of Persia like within the next few years? No, because like, we mentioned, like I mentioned before, like they don't own the Prince of Persia license completely. Jordan Mechner owns like half of it, so I could see them just being like, "Why would we do that when we have Assassin's Creed?" But I don't know, maybe there's someone at Ubisoft pushing for that sort of thing that will see like a a new 2D game or a new 3D game or something that's just cool and fun and was maybe at one point a more linear Assassin's Creed and then decided to make it a Prince of Persia. But yeah, who knows? Well, Imran, speaking of IP ownership, story number two, Microsoft is interested in WB games. This is from Jeremy Winslow at GameSpot. Last month, Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment's parent company, AT&T, announced intentions to sell off Warner Media's gaming division. A new report suggests that Microsoft has expressed interest in purchasing WB Games, though a sale has not has yet to be confirmed. According to business news publication The Information, quote, two people familiar with the, with the situation said Microsoft might be looking to scoop up WB Games, the studio responsible for publishing games like Batman Arkham Knight, Middle Earth, Middle-Earth, Shadow of War, Mortal Kombat 11, and others. A sale isn't imminent, according to the people, uh, as AT&T is still weighing how to handle its $154 billion, uh, or handle its $154 billion debt. This debt comes from the 2018 acquisition of Time Warner, now known as Warner Media, which includes companies like Crunchyroll, DC Comics, HBO, WB Games, and a host of other subsidies. Imran. Microsoft buying or possibly buying wb games how do you feel about it it actually makes a lot of sense from their perspective because it is immediate beef up to beef beef up to their total first party studios that said it's also a major headache to buy that many studios and still be somewhat like linked or beholden to another one so Mm -hmm. or like another major company so like i could see where microsoft would get the benefit from it They've done moves like this before. Like honestly, buying Miliang was a huge deal for them. Like it was that I think that was two oh, yeah. billion on its own. And that that has paid off for them. They are the, now the Minecraft company. So I could see them thinking the same thing is true of this one. 
it also makes sense for like Take Two or the or Activision to buy them as well. Um, yeah, I I think Microsoft would get the most personal benefit from it, but and they would probably feel the least sting if it doesn't work out. But the Dana Blogist writes yeah. in to patreon.com says so kind of funny games and says hey guys the past 10 years we've seen we've seemed to be we've seen to be in just unprecedented uncharted waters and that's why i love this industry so much there's always change the latest change though may yet again come from xbox if they buy all the wb studios now my question is this is there such a thing as too many first party studios can a company like Microsoft afford to have 24 studios which they would gain 10 from the acquisition uh, and not counting all of TT studios should we be concerned with the call of quote exclusives are king uh, that we may see that we may see monopolies form more and more within the industry by the end of 2029 and more companies willing to throw money everywhere even if it hurts them in the short term thanks the nanobiologist i think this is a very interesting question cuz like you to what you're kind of saying uh uh earlier right like that's a lot of studios to be to be buying up from mm -hmm. from wb games for microsoft to have ownership of and then also still have that connection uh to at&t uh, and wb if you want to still hold those licenses and work with those licenses and stuff yeah um do you think do you think there is actually risk there in terms of what the implications could be of microsoft buying this many studios so, like, one of the problems with buying a bunch of studios, and one of the reasons Nintendo has said they don't buy studios, is that creating or buying the studio and then making them fit to your corporate culture is difficult. And, like, that's even taking out the HR headache of it. Because then you have, let's, I don't know how many studio or how many employees exactly we're talking about. Let's say a thousand. You have a thousand people to suddenly put on payroll, figure out insurance, figure out, like, uh, all the various things HR does with new onboarding. Like that is on its own a, a headache. Process. Yeah. I and mean, you have executives that may have things like, oh, well, they want Rocksteady, they bought Rocksteady solely to do Batman games forever, and Rocksteady doesn't want to do that. So maybe Rocksteady does a good job of showing, uh, does a good job with WB of saying, hey, we want to move on to something else, but they don't do it with Microsoft. Or Nether Realms has uh, somebody in Microsoft has a very specific idea of what Nether Realms should be doing with Mortal Kombat, and Ed Boon is like, no, fuck that, and leaves. Yeah. Like those are all very possible scenarios with buying a bunch of studios. So even if you do have Batman, you don't necessarily have the things that make Batman good, which causes its own problems. Cause like, is the license just enough to make that money back? Uh, I do agree that corporate consolidation just sucks ass. Like that is a major problem. And it does obviously going from WB to Microsoft is a lateral movement, but it, it is one that's kind of annoying. Yeah. I also think that if we ended up in a situation where DC games were exclusive to Microsoft consoles and Sony had the biggest Marvel games, the fanboy wars would get so intensely dumb that I would just get off the internet at that point. Because <laughs> can you imagine that the a holiday lineup in, between PS5 and Xbox Series X is Arkham whatever versus Spider-Man 3? And like that is what people are arguing about constantly and i would just yeah. want to close off my twitter account that would definitely become an uh, insufferable conversation i think this i think this whole thing is interesting because when when we're talking about wb games you know trying tr uh trying to sell 10 studios like, like like i mean this is basically basically what you're saying right 10 studios is a lot of it's a, it's a lot to take in even if you're not microsoft right even if you're activision or any other company that that has seemed to have shown interest in wb like 
there is an onboarding process that goes beyond just like even like the HR elements, which in themselves is a huge, huge headache. You then got to figure out like, all right, cool. We we now hold like we hold all this power, but with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of that, that thing to me to bring it back to the Marvel thing. Um, and yeah, like at a certain point, I. I I think it could be worth it on the Microsoft side. Like I think that would make sense, especially as as a first a first party that is trying to build your portfolio, a first party that is trying to be very competitive. You know, and like they've been they they've been spending this whole generation pretty much building, building, and building. Um, bring on all these different studios that are some of the most like some very beloved studios in there, especially when you look at Rocksteady and NetherRealm and all these different things. Um, yeah, like I. I think the benefits outweigh the headache, but I do understand like where like I don't I I do understand the idea that it is not as simple as like hey bring in the studios bring in the profits bring in the IP like there's so much that goes into that that I think uh is gonna make gonna make this conversation interesting as it goes along to see like if the if the trigger is actually pulled. Yeah, like the ideal like, scenario uh, honestly is like someone buys them and just like hey you guys are doing good do your thing and like just kind of leads them to that, but there's not a lot of there's not a lot of precedent for that in the video game industry of buying that, like spending that much and not changing the culture at least somewhat. Sometimes that works out, like in the case of Microsoft and Mojang. Sometimes it doesn't, like in the case of EA and anybody. Yeah. Story number three: Kingdoms of Amalur's remaster has finally been revealed. This is from Fraser Brown at PC Gamer. Kingdoms of Amalur, the ginormous 2012 RPG, is getting a makeover. The cat was let out of the bag, as, as it so often is, by a listing on the Microsoft Store in June. It had an August release date then, uh, but with the official announcement today, that's been pushed back to September. This remastered version sports a new and terrible name, Kingdom of, and this is this is the article, this is me, I like the name, uh, <laughs> Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning, as well as reworked visuals, gameplay, and some brand new stuff that you won't have seen before. Uh, the, big, the big surprise is a new expansion, Fates, Fates Worn, uh, THQ Nordics not spilling the beans yet, but it's coming in 2021. Uh, you'll be able to return to Amalur and the remaster, however, remaster, however, in uh, September 8th, 2020. Imran, so, does this excite you? Kinda. Like, mm-hmm. just a just a remaster probably wouldn't have done that much for me because I, I liked Amalur a lot. Actually, I thought the ending of that game was real dumb because the. It basically, like, literally, you're just running through an area while someone exposits the story to you. But I like that game quite a bit as a action RPG. I don't know that I would ever replay it. Because, honestly, it, took, it was a fairly long game. It's interesting to me that they made an expansion. And also that that expansion isn't coming with the game. It's coming later. So yeah. it's weird to me they're not just delaying the game to release it with it. So maybe it's a fairly, like, media expansion. Maybe it's pretty interesting. But... That's that is curious. I I think as far as THQ names re, or remaster names go, this is not the worst one. There's been way yeah, worse. Yeah, they're worse. Like remastered. Remastered is the worst one. Are we calling Greg Miller? Yes, we are. Uh, host of PSLVUXOXO, Greg Miller. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I don't know if you're watching the show, but we can't, we just uh, came up on the Kingdoms of Amalur story, and wanna, I want to get your take sure. on the one, the remaster finally being announced, it finally being official, and it coming out on September 8th, but then also this Fate yeah. Sorn uh, expansion that's coming in 2021. Well, I have lots of feelings, right? Because I thought originally this was coming out in August, and I was like, that's perfect, that's great, there's my August game. 
But then for it to be in September now and right around Avengers time, that's trouble. I got a lot of Avengers oh, yeah. to play. That's but point. I'm obviously excited for Kingdoms of Amalur. Maybe it's just you know, a different kind of game. It's my long-form game. But it doesn't matter. Uh, it's coming out. That's great. That's what I want. I'm glad they're adding new stuff to it. And so then to give you a question of this uh, based on stuff, like, hell yeah, let's go, brother. You know what I mean? Like, that, the Kingdoms of Amalur had a bunch of good uh, DLC when it originally came out. They had this whole pirate thing. And you might not remember this. But it didn't have trophies at the time that it got released. It was a big problem, and then they put them in later, but they didn't work right and all this stuff. So I'm excited to go and get a bunch of trophies in general, let alone have brand new DLC and see what they're thinking about. You going to platinum it? No, I don't know. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. The list has got to be very specific if I'm going to platinum it. All right. Thank you for your input, Greg. All right. I'll see you later. Have a good day. There you go. Greg Miller's very excited about it. I might check it out because I've heard such good things about Kingdoms of Amalur for the most part from like people who have played it. And yeah. I know it was more so like a, a, a kind of a low-key game when it when it came out. Um, or more of like an I guess niche, kind of like a cult classic. I kind of want to try it out and see what it's about because like all of what I've seen from it seems fun. Seems yeah, it was definitely fun. Like, especially if you can like remove it from, you know, its development context. It's it is a surprisingly good ARPG that like it seemed like laser targeted at the people who wanted to like Skyrim, but didn't like the idea of the combat in that game. So it's like, well, what if we make the combat better? And that's kind of what came as the Amalur became. Imran, let's tackle our final story. Story number four. Sega announces a miniature arcade cabinet. This is from Wesley LeBlanc at IGN. And Kevin, in the doc, I have a link to the IGN article for images of it because it looks, it looks adorable. Let me tell you, I'm really into the look of this thing. Sega has announced a miniature arcade cabinet scheduled for Japanese release only, which will ship with 36 games included. Sega has been celebrating its 60th anniversary this year, and the celebrations continue with the announcement of the Astro City Mini. This miniature arcade cabinet, which fits in your hand, comes with 36 Sega, Ar Sega arcade titles and is set to release later this year, according to GameWatch, as translated by Sega Driven. As for what games to expect on the device, Sega has announced that just 10 or Sega has announced just 10 of the three dozen, three dozen games expected to ship with it. Alien Syndrome, Alien Storm, Altered Beast, Columns 2, Dark Edge, Fantasy Zone, Golden Axe, Golden Axe Revenge of Death Adder, Tant R, and Virtual Fighter. It's unknown if more titles, uh, it's unknown if more titles or the entire selection will be announced before the cabinet is released. The cabinet is an off-white color and features a bright green eight-way joystick and six arcade buttons on a black background. You can check out what the mini system looks like below. And by below, I mean on the video. It actually is below us on the video, which is cool. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah that actually works out perfectly. Uh, are you into this? Is this something that speaks to you at all? Uh, the, the mini arcade cabinet thing is always like a cute novelty, but I don't actually ever want to use one. Mm -hmm. This is something I'd really be excited to go over to somebody's house and they and they own it. I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna buy it myself, but like I wanna I wanna tinker around with it. I wanna like hold it. As stupid you know? as that thing was, honestly the way I prefer these things is to be like the Capcom like arcade stick. You remember what I'm talking about? Like that big no. fucking Capcom logo. Oh yes. Like, yes. Yes. I, I, I like do. that idea. I was just like it, put an HDMI to this thing, I'll play it on my TV, and I have an, an actual controller arcade stick here. Granted, that thing was like 200 bucks and absurd but still i like that idea i i would want to see a full games list before i did that honestly like i'd rather have a mini dreamcast at this point just give me a mini dreamcast oh, yeah. like a dreamcast classic whatever or even it's that controller collection. though that controller is too it's doing too much 
I feel like yeah. that's the same reason we haven't seen an N64 classic either. It's just because, like, at a certain point, controllers just became unwieldy, especially during that generation or those two generations. Yeah. I, I Sega has a very big legacy they could leverage however they want to. Definitely. I would really like it if they if they did it in a more comprehensive way that covered their entire history instead of just like a couple of things from mid-90s and earlier. Imran, I'm really excited to see what the future of Sega mini consoles might be, and mini consoles in general, because I like this fad. I hope this fad never goes away, because I think it's kind of stupid that, like, it's it's stupid, but but also cool, like, also awesome. Like, the idea that everybody everybody was just like, hey, what if we took our old stuff and just made it smaller? Yeah. What a weird fucking, like, iCarly bit that just turned into an actual product, <laughs> uh, an, an actual fad that's going on. And so, People like small I'm a, consoles. People like small consoles, and I'm excited to see what the future of small consoles are, but that future is so far away. If I want to know what's coming to mom and grop shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Out today, uh, Catherine Fullbody is out on Switch. Lanternium for Xbox One. Super Liminal. For PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, which I want to pick up because I, I, Super Liminal is one of those games where I've seen the trailer multiple times. I've demoed it at a PAX, and it, it spoke to me every single time I've either seen it or, or demoed it, but I've not actually gotten to dive deep into it because uh, it came out on PC uh, late last year. And so it's finally coming to, coming to consoles. I'm hyped to check it out. Uh, if you're into first-person perspective-based puzzle games, I suggest you check out the trailer because it's pretty cool. Escape Game, Fort Fort Boyard is out for Switch. Warfare 1944 is out for PC. The Protectors of Dia for PC. Space Wave Race for PC and Mac. I know that's not what I think it is, but I wish it was. No, exactly. Like, I know that's not Wave Race in Space, but God, if it was, oh man, I'd be making it rain. Fuck, that game should exist. God damn it. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, Astronomia is out for PC and Mac. And then Box Factory is out for PC. New Dates. Sister Royale, uh, Five Sisters Under Fire, is coming to Xbox One on July 10th. Sensory Visual Novel, Milky Way Prince, Milky Way Prince? Milky Way Prince, is coming to PC on August 13th. Mafia Definitive Edition has been delayed from August 28th to September 25th. Halo 3 is coming to Master Chief Collection for PC on July 14th. And then Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning is scheduled for release September 8th, 2020 on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Now it's time for reader mail. You can write into patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where you can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Quip. Let's talk about brushing our teeth. 75% of us use old, worn-out bristles that are ineffective, and even more people forget to floss daily. But not Greg, Tim, or most of Kind of Funny. We love and use Quip every day. Good health... Uh, starts with good habits. Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to brush and floss better. The Quip electric toothbrush has timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide a dentist uh, uh, recommended two-minute routine, and there's even a size-down version designed for kids. Paired with Quip's anti-cavity toothpaste uh, in mint or watermelon, uh, you get all the ingredients teeth actually need and none that they don't. Quip also has an eco-friendly refillable floss with a dispenser you keep for life and expanding string that helps to clean in between. Quip brush heads, uh, toothpaste, and floss refills are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5 each. Uh, A friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh and to stay committed to your oral health. And shipping is free. 
If you go to getquip.com slash games right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash games. Uh, spelt G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash games. Quip, the good habits company. We're also brought to you by Klarna. Uh, thanks to Klarna for supporting Kind of Funny Games daily. In Sweden, they don't shop, they Klarna. Klarna is a revolutionary new online shopping app from Sweden that allows you to shop thousands of online stores and pay for anything in four easy interest-free payments that make shopping smoother. With the Klarna app, you can shop anywhere online uh, from the one app. It's easy to use and convenient to browse thousands of online stores from one convenient place. Pay for anything you want um, in four interest-free payments. Paying after delivery allows uh, allows you to try before you buy, and you can also report returns directly in the app. Get the best deals with customized price drop alerts on items you've saved to your wish list. It's always good to shop smarter and save money. Tim loves how easy it is to find what you're looking for and get set up. Klarna is a smoother, friendlier, Swedisher way to shop online. It's the one-stop shopping app for browsing and buying anything online and all in one app and allows you uh, to pay for anything in four easy interest-free payments. Download the Klarna app today. That's K-A or that's K-L-A-R-N-A, Swedish for shopping. Lastly, we're brought to you by HIMSS. 66% of men start to lose their hair by age 35. Once you've noticed thinning hair, it can be too late. Why do you guys turn to weird solutions or do nothing when they can turn to medicine and science? Nick and Andy have been using it for years, and they love it. ForHims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. It's time to write a new chapter, one in which you have hair. Hims is helping guys be the best versions of themselves with licensed medical providers and FDA-approved products to help treat hair loss. No snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. These are prescription solutions backed by science. Hims was created by a guy who knows some men's health conversations are easier online than in person. No more awkward in-person uh, doctor's visits or long pharmacy lines. Today, Hims is giving you their best offer yet. If you're not happy with your results after 90 days, Hims will give you a full refund. And right now, my listeners can get their first visit absolutely free. Go to forhims.com/gamesdaily. That's forhims.com/gamesdaily. A full refund of price paid is available for the first 90-day supply. Refund requests must be made between 90 and 188 days after a product shipment delivered. Prescription-free products require an online consultation with a medical professional who will determine if prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember that's forhims.com/ games daily imran yo ignacio rojas writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games just like you can and says what's up blemron during yesterday's kfgd the phrase as long as you are in their ecosystem came up when discussing microsoft's strategy with regards to bringing bringing their games to pc this isn't the first time uh, the phrase has been used, as it, as it typically comes up when discussing the company's strategy of bringing their games to the most people. I wanted to ask, what does this mean, though? What is Microsoft gaining from you being in their ecosystem, other than just the sale of the game? If it is just the sale of the game, why not just go third party then? It's not like Microsoft is giving much incentive to buy their consoles. For example, there's no game coming to, coming to the Series X for, this, for the foreseeable future that won't be available anywhere else or somewhere else. What is Microsoft's end goal? So this is one of those things that, like, I've been telling people who report news, uh, video game news, that they should read Satya Nadella's uh, autobiography because it's actually a very good idea 
of uh, what his thinking is and where he wants to take Microsoft as a company and reflects a lot about on video games. You can kind of see that mentality in what the Xbox is doing now. They are kind of following the same thing that Microsoft did with Microsoft Word and like as a subscription service. Because if someone buys one thing every year, they might not buy it one year. If someone buys or pays a little bit every month, then they are probably going to hook in the entire time. What Microsoft is doing now, when you get in their ecosystem, you're paying for a service. So yeah, it is useful to them as it for a game sale if you buy like Sea of Thieves on uh on Steam. Like that's fine. That that is equivalent to like Ignacio Rojas says, a third party sale. But what they want is for you to buy that. Then when like other games come out that friends also want to play, you don't just buy those games, you buy with Game Pass or whatever. Uh with xCloud is also like another tent pull of that of like you're paying for that money so are you paying for that service so you want to you know use it more and stay subscribed as much as possible the ecosystem is not necessarily like i have an xbox account and that's good that's one step of it the other step is yeah. i have an xbox account and that's good let me give them money because it's easier to do so now so they're not thinking purely in terms of hardware which has always been a loss issue it's now more what if we can get them to buy the hardware and then also get them to pay for other things? Kind of like how phones work now. Like how a a phone company will give you a phone for free, but you're actually paying it off in service. Yes. And, and I, th I think the idea of it, the way I've kind of always looked at it is, what if instead of limiting the ways in which you can gain revenue, which you know, like you said, right, kind of comes down to a lot, a lot of time it would come down to like console sales, which a lot of times you'll see a loss, like you'll see a loss there or getting a cut of software sales or having like mm -hmm. the limited amount of servers, services that you may have on your platform. What if we can have just a bunch of different interconnected services that are all feeding us back money, but at the same time working together in synergy to all strengthen one another. And right. so when you look at the Microsoft, I guess, ecosystem, right? Like if you buy Sea of Thieves on the Microsoft store on PC, they're still making back all that money, right? Because mm -hmm. one, it's a first party game. And then two, it's the Microsoft store. All that, they see, they see the, return of the, the return on that. The idea that also you might be interested in Xbox Game Pass Ultimate or Xbox Game Pass on PC, they're going to see, they're going to see return in that. And to what you're saying, when, 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 say you're playing sea of thieves on pc if that game is then uh you know cross-platform and cross-play you might have friends on xbox or you might you might have friends that are motivated to get that game on xbox so they can play with you right yeah. like the idea the, the idea of them having an ecosystem is is them making it as easy as possible for you to be involved with xbox so that like you might be either interested in investing in their other systems or their, their other um, services or in their games, uh, or you might motivate the people around you, like your sphere of influence, to then buy in uh, to some of the similar ser services that you're bought into. Yeah, I have a friend who would never buy an Xbox. Like, that's, he just doesn't play consoles anymore, or he doesn't play non-Nintendo consoles anymore. And we got him interested in Sea of Thieves. So now he ended up getting Game Pass for PC because it didn't make sense to just buy Sea of Thieves if he's going to, like, it made sense to buy Game Pass and then if he ends up liking it, he ends up getting addicted to that game or some of the game or the service, he stays connected to, or he stays subscribed to Game Pass for X number of months, which is worth more to Microsoft than just a sale of one game. 
Yeah. And I think, I think even with all this happening, I think you're still going to see people pick up uh, an Xbox Series X or a Lockhart or whatever it may be um, with how, how I think that, uh, that kind of works with people buying into the ecosystem. Like at a certain point, if I'm into Xbox and I am into like Xbox first party games and I like, I, I feel like at a certain point, I'm probably going to be motivated to pick up, to pick up an Xbox Series X. There is a chance, at, at the very least, that I will be motivated to pick up an Xbox Series X, especially if, as Microsoft, you're able to make the case that, hey, we're putting out Xbox Series X, and this is the most powerful console. Yeah. Also, we have Lockhart, and it's the most it's the it's the cheapest console out on the market. Like, say, if they're able to to squeeze that position at five hundred dollars, and say Lockhart comes in at three hundred dollars, you know, if they're able to make those claims, and then also have all these different things going for Xbox, like. You're kind of in a powerful place compared to competitors, um, and so I think that's like that's the thing that's like that's the reason why it works is because you're 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 allowing people to buy in buy into Xbox without actually having to buy an Xbox, and once they buy into Xbox, then probably they'll want to get an Xbox. Yeah, or at least stay with those games, or stay with that community, or whatever. Yes, exactly. Imran, now it's time to squat up. Alec Bobko writes in with a squad up for Twitch and says, it's okay not to be okay. For my scheduled streams this week on Tuesday and Thursday at 7, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, I'll be streaming Celeste to help spread mental health awareness. Also, this isn't going to be a full-on charity stream, but any donations I get will go towards uh, NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Can't wait to see you all there. Uh, if you want to check out uh, Alec Bobko's Twitch, Twitch stream happening 7.30 um, p.m. on Thursday, uh, you can follow them albob875 that's twitch.tv slash albob875 now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong we write in let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong uh let's see here frank Furter says agent was going to be developed by rockstar which i don't think we got wrong yeah, i think we didn't I, say I like yeah, yeah. You, we're saying it in context of ubisoft but like i think we people knew what we meant yeah uh, people are telling me that um, Valiant Hearts, of course, is the World War One Ubisoft game, which we corrected on the fly. Skyrim on Switch, yeah. Nailbot just writes in with breaking news um, that I almost included into the show, but I didn't know if it was big enough news to include in the show. But I'll say it here: uh, Microsoft's lead business developer Peggy Johnson is joining Magic Leap, uh, a developer of AR glasses and, inter and interactivity, as their CEO. And so I highly recommend people go to games gamesindustry.biz because they had a write up on it. If you want to learn more about that news, mm -hmm. and that seems to be it. Yeah. We didn't get a whole we're, lot wrong. We're great. Yeah, I'm actually I'm like I'm like staring at it because I'm surprised that we didn't get more wrong because I feel like we talked about a lot on this episode. But hey, <laughs> that's what happens, man. When you get the the bless Imran connection, we we, my, uh, we get the facts straight. My new thing is maybe to say one thing wrong and see if anyone calls it out. Ooh, did you do that this episode? I didn't do it this episode. We'll see in the future. If I we'll announce it, people are gonna know. Tomorrow's hosts are. Greg and Gary Widow for Widow Wednesday. And of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily. <laughs>